0: Why don't you turn to the book of Amos and we're going to draw our text as we all often do on these Sundays uh, from an up, the upcoming section. So would you turn to Amos chapter three, verse three is our text for the day. I've got a simple verse, a simple study, but a good reminder and something that's good to meditate on and think about. Um, it's here in Amos chapter three, verse three. It says there in Amos 3.3, can two walk together except they be agreed? This is a rhetorical question the prophet Amos is raising. Now, Amos was just a normal dude. He was a shepherd. Um, Just south of Jerusalem is where he was raised. But the Lord called him out of his shepherding, and he he went up to shepherd the northern ten tribes of Israel. He was a contemporary with Hosea. Maybe they were buddies, Uh, Hosea the prophet. Amos um, goes up and he he has some words, and he starts out swinging hard there in chapter one and what have you. But here in chapter three, he um, he really raises these interesting rhetorical questions. Um, You know, can two walk together um, unless they are agreed? And in this section, Amos connects six sort of questions or statement questions. um, You know, that are obvious and true, like of course, that's right. You know, like, is the Pope Catholic? You know, if you ask that question, it's like, of course. Uh, and, and that's what Amos is doing. Can two walk together unless they be agreed? Oh, you see that beautiful scene of the beach and the young couple walking on the beach as they're hand in hand walking. You know, oh, they're so, you know, in love. And then suddenly they kind of stop and turn and face each other. And there's, you can tell they're talking. And then you see her stomp her foot. And you're like, oh. And then you see her turn around and go the other way. And he walks the other way. Uh, you know what happened, disagreement. You don't even have to be very smart to figure that one out. They just disagreed, so they're no longer walking together and they they blew up the picture. The problem is, if you could picture that, that's what Israel had done with the Lord. And that's what humanity tends to do with the Lord. Can two walk together? See, that's the problem. Amos is, is talking about the relationship that Israel has with the Lord and because of disagreement, they're not walking with the Lord, that's the problem. That's one of the indictments this prophet is gonna give uh, to the children of Israel. Now, this idea of walking with the Lord is something that's all throughout the Bible. It's a major theme that the Lord wants you and me to have a walk. Um, and, and this is one of those things we have to be careful of. You know, we, we can talk, if we're not careful, we can talk Christianese. And people that are new to the Bible are like, what does it mean to you know, walk? Sometimes, oh, you just need to walk in the spirit. Well, what in the world does that mean? Walking in the spirit. That sounds like uh, something, you know, Casper or something. What's, what's uh, the spirit? Uh, I don't get that. Well, we gotta be careful about that. So this idea of the walk, the Christian walk. First of all, a walk is a implication of steady progress. It's not a sprint. It's not even a marathon. It's just a walk. But that's what the Lord asks, that we, you, you and I have a walk, a steady progressive walk with the lord and and this little verse here in Amos 3:3 3, 3 tells us kind of the thing if you're going to walk with the lord the first thing we have to understand is there needs to be agreement and if we have agreement with the lord then we can walk with the lord and that so we have kind of an interesting tidbit of truth tucked away in this single little verse. Now, um, there's some famous people in the Bible who had a, a walk with the Lord, and they were noted as having such a thing. Um, the first one is, is uh, I would say, maybe uh, Noah is a great example. There in Genesis chapter uh, you know, 6, verse 9, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. Um, man, Noah had this walk, and, and he did that, by the way, for hundreds of years. Remember in the antediluvian world, how people lived you know, uh, close to 900 years kind of thing? And so Noah, he just had a walk. He was steady, progress with the Lord, just walking with the Lord. And Noah goes down as a famous one. Um, let's quiz you. Who's another famous guy in the Bible who walked with God? Right, Enoch. Enoch might be the most famous because in the sense, Enoch, there's not much we know about Enoch. There's very little said about Enoch in the Bible, except for this, he walked with the Lord. In the Old Testament, there's a couple sentences that says Enoch walked with the Lord. And then in the New Testament, it says he walked with the Lord and he pleased the Lord. So that's all we know about Enoch. He walked with the Lord and pleased the Lord. We know he was a prophet, but we have very little uh, to know about what he, you say, well, Brad, I read the book of Enoch. It should be in the Bible. That, that's not true. The book of Enoch is not in the Bible because it's not the Bible that didn't make the canon of scripture, but he was a guy who walked with the Lord. He gets that commendation in the Bible. Um, And and, and then if you look at the verse there in Genesis chapter five, it says, and Enoch walked with God, it says there, uh, and then it says, and he was not, for God took him. Uh, That's a funny phrase, Uh, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. What does that mean? Well, when you put it all together, here's this guy who walked with the Lord and pleased the Lord, and so the Lord said, I want you in heaven with me. So he, he took him, he, Enoch didn't see death. He was just taken up into heaven. Uh, you might say he was raptured. Um, the reason I say that is because I believe it's a beautiful picture of the rapture of the church. Remember how God was gonna part with wrath on the world with a flood? And Noah and his family were, would have to go through the flood. I think Noah and his family is a picture of the Jews, even as the Jews who largely reject the true and living God and, and his savior, Jesus. During the tribulation, the Jews will be saved, just like Noah and his family were saved. Uh, But they're gonna go through that tribulation period, just like Noah went through it. But right before the flood, what happens? The Lord, there's this one guy who just pleases the Lord so much that he just takes him up and uh, sort of raptures him. Uh, That's what it means there when it says, and he was not. Um, Remember the 80s, there was kind of a thing where people would say, not. I think you're a really nice person, I like you. Not, remember that? We used to think that was funny. Um, And you think, is that what's going on here with Enoch? you walked with God and not, no, no, it means that he was taken up and and just uh, the Lord just took him and raptured him. By the way, have you ever wondered, I've wondered this a lot, you know, because I've done a lot of funerals, um, and those funerals where you kind of get a sense from a worldly human perspective that, ah, this person was taken so early. but there's been many times that I've, I've done a funeral, and, and you don't really wanna say this necessarily because it might hurt feelings or, but sometimes I wonder if the Lord took the person because he just really wanted them in heaven. Like if, if the Lord just said, you know, I, I'm sorry, everybody on earth, um, you got this amount of time with your loved one, but I want that person in heaven right now. And um, you say, well, who is God to take our loved one? He's God. <laughs> uh, hello. <laughs> uh, Um, And that's what happens with Enoch. Enoch's just walking with the Lord, pleasing the Lord, and the Lord says, man, I want him right up here in heaven. So boom, takes him up. Just like the, the church, before the wrath is poured out in the tribulation period, the church, you and I are gonna be taken up and raptured just like Enoch. Well, anyway, he was a guy, famous, and probably the most famous thing we know about Enoch is he walked with the Lord, and that he had that steady, progressive walk. And so this question here, you know, can two walk together unless they be agreed? It brings a couple questions about what does a walk look like and how do we do that? Number one on your list, if you can take notes here, the, the, in order to have a biblical walk with the Lord, you have to have number one, a sanctified walk. Um, you know, uh, and this is an important thing. It's a, this, this, um, this small little verse sort of causes me to ponder these things. What does a real Christian walk look like? Well, first of all, it's sanctified. Now again, sanctified is a Christianese word. Um, But it means something fairly simple. It means to be set apart. Um, It's kind of an interesting word, to be sanctified uh, in being set apart, separated from sin, but also separated unto God. If you're a sanctified person, you are set apart for God's purposes. Um, and And it implies a lot of things, being pure, um, holy, walking with the Lord is, is to live a life that a acceptable offering set aside for the Lord. Another word the Bible uses sometimes is consecrated. Consecrated, set, set aside, set apart for God's use for serving him. And that's what this walk needs to be, a sanctified walk. Um, this idea of being set apart, being pure and holy, During the time of Amos, we're gonna see something that's kind of crazy. Um, There was a group of young men that were wanting to be sanctified during the days of Amos. Um, Let's see if you know who they were. If you name it, if you remember who these guys were. The first thing I'll tell you is they were not supposed to touch any dead thing. Right, the Nazarite, remember the Nazarite? Don't touch any dead thing. Don't let your hair be cut. Uh, you know, uh, don't uh, eat or raisins or go into a vineyard or even have any wine or anything like that. They were, they were these Nazarites and they'd walk around with these big hairdos because they'd let their hair grow. And everybody's like, oh, there's a Nazarite. Set apart for God's purpose. But Amos is gonna kinda condemn the people of Israel because of this. They'll say, you're taking your Nazarites and you're pouring alcohol down their throats. It's like these guys wanted to be set apart, but the people wouldn't let them be set apart. That's that's how bad it got during the time of Amos. And so this this idea of of a walk, this is why Amos is saying, people of Israel, you have no walk with the Lord. You're not set apart or sanctified, um, set apart. Now, Adam and Eve were another famous couple in the Bible that had a walk with the Lord. When did Adam and Eve walk with the Lord? Anybody remember? In the cool of the day. Remember that the Bible says they walked during the cool. That, that means probably in the morning time. You know, Adam and Eve had this really cool. Can you imagine before the fall, the sin, what that was like getting up in the morning and Adam and Eve, you know, had a little cup of coffee and go for a walk with God. Uh, just a little walk in the morning with the Lord. Um, that, was, that was the state before the sin was, was brought into this world. But do you remember that very day when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the, knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which was their, the original sin there, where they sinned against the Lord. What happened to their little daily walk? Well, God shows up to go and see them like they always did. And guess what? They're nowhere to be found. They're hiding in the bushes. They realized in their sinful thing that they were naked and they were ashamed and they went and hid in the bushes. And, and the Lord comes to the earth and he says, Adam, where are you? Uh, now, now, don't be confused. God didn't lose the two people he had on the planet. <laughs> what did I do with those people? Oh yeah, somewhere in the Middle East. Uh, no, it wasn't that, no. In a way, God was saying, Adam, wh- where are you at, man? What are you doing? What's going on with you? You're hiding there. And God knows exactly what happened. God's giving Adam a chance to confess what he had done. But the sad thing is, that, that's what blew it all up, is sin. See, that's what it means to be—you know, have a sanctified walk. It means to be set apart from sin. And when you and I have sin in our lives, unconfessed, undealt with sin, your walk with the Lord will be uh, sort of you know, blown up, just like Adam and Eve. Oh, there's so many scriptures, and probably the most classic is what Isaiah the prophet tells us, of course, in Isaiah 59, one and two. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. If you feel like you want to have a walk with the Lord, but but your walk has sort of been distanced or, you know, kind of um, you feel like it's gone cold somehow. One of the first things you got to check is, Lord, is there unconfessed sin in my life? It's like the psalmist, when the psalmist said, oh Lord, search my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me. Lead me in your way everlasting. You know, there's a point where you have to kind of say, Lord, what's the sin I'm doing that I don't even know about? Search my heart, oh Lord, because you wanna have a sanctified life. You don't wanna let sin just go unchecked in your life because that snips off that relationship, that walk that you can have with the Lord, and and it's troubling. Um, and, and the problem is, that's the way the magnet pulls with humanity, to pull us away from God towards sin. That's our flesh that just wants to gravitate toward, you know, sinful stuff. In 2 Corinthians, there's kind of a Paul New, New Testament version of the same thing. And he says there, and this is one that you've heard, you know, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Does that mean you worked out really hard and you're yoked, man? Is that what it is? No. Um, Yoked is a farm term of two oxen being yoked together with a yoke that evenly disperses the weight on the shoulders of the oxen as they're pulling the cart or the plow or whatever they're pulling. And the the yoke had to be carefully formed because if you were unequally yoking oxen together, it wouldn't work. You can't really pull heavy weight. And if you let an unequally yoked team of oxen go, eventually, uh, the weaker ox will be crippled. Um, so you gotta make sure you have an equal yoke. And it's funny, because we don't really deal with that in modern times, but all the Bible people, they'd know, oh, yeah, you gotta have an equal yoke. But here Paul uses this as an example. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? The answer is obviously none. And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. Now, people get confused, Brett. Should we never talk to unbelievers and sinners in the world? Well, that's not what this is saying. Um, You can be like Jesus. and, And remember, everywhere Jesus went, he hung out with publicans and sinners and prostitutes. But here's the difference. Jesus changed them. Every time they came and hung out with Jesus, they got saved, repented of their sins. And he wasn't just hanging out you know, with prostitutes. That wasn't his thing. He was hanging out with sinners who re- became repentant. And we should all endeavor to do that, of course. And we'll work with people and you can be friends with people that are unsaved. That's not what this is saying. But the idea of yoking yourself, um, connecting yourself, uh, that's where it gets dangerous. Uh, let me give you a few examples. Uh, maybe you go into a business deal. That's a yoke. When you make a partnership in business and you, you go into, into business, uh, man, if I had a dime for every time somebody went into business with an unbeliever only to regret it because you know as time goes by and as the business is more and more successful, pretty soon things start popping out that there's a moral difference, ethical difference, spiritual difference in the way you want to run the company and the business. And if you're yoked with an unbeliever, how many times has that gone south? But business is one thing, even worse still, what about marriage? You've seen this where people are unequally yoked in marriage and it happens when that young girl loves that guy, oh, he's just a great guy and Pastor Brett, he's hot. <laughs> so he's not a Christian, you know, whatever, but he's a really nice guy and I, th- I think he's gonna be a Christian. So, so what are you doing, missionary dating? That's what I call it, you're missionary dating. Bad idea, bad idea. Um, he'll always be behind you spiritually if you're, if you're finding some guy that's not saved. That's ridiculous, don't do that. Um, Brad, what do you know about this? A lot, I've done over a thousand weddings. Uh, I've done more than that, marriage counseling over the last 35 years or whatever. Uh, you gotta understand, I do, I'm kind of an expert on this one. I really am. I don't know anybody who maybe, you know, there, there's very few people who have spent as much time talking about this with people as maybe me. And I'm telling you, there's, there's so many people, I bet, you I bet you there's more than 100 people in this room right now who would say, listen to Pastor Brett. Because being married to someone who's une- you're unequally yoked with them, they're a non-believer, you're a believer, it doesn't seem like any big deal when you're 21. But when you're 31 and you have kids and you want them to go to church on Christmas Eve, because that's what you do, uh, but he'd rather you go to um, you know, uh, the imam downtown and go down into, into the mosque. What, Brett, that doesn't happen. Just happened a couple weeks ago. Talked to a lady, her husband, she thought he was gonna make the move to be a Christian, but he made the move to become a Muslim. Um, I mean, like, like unequally yoke gets pretty serious. Even if he's not that, maybe it's not, you know, that he's a Muslim, maybe he's into NFL more than Sunday morning. And so you just want to go to church and, and he just wants to stay home. And he kind of likes it when the kids are home. So honey, you can go to church, but leave the kids home. Yeah, but we want to raise our kids in godly ways. And eh, I'm not really interested in that. And it becomes a massive point of contention in your marriage. To, can two walk together except they be agreed? Well, that's when it gets tough in marriage when you can't walk together because you disagree. And that's why Paul gives this somber warning. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Don't link yourself with unbelievers, but find someone who's who's an equal yoking. For what communion does light have with darkness? The answer is none. And that's the point. To have a walk with God, you gotta remember, the Lord says, you know, Paul says earlier in Corinthians, what, don't you know your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost? Here in this verse, he says, for you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. The Lord wants to have a walk with you. But if you have darkness in your life and you're yoked to darkness, don't be shocked. If you sense that God's not really in your life like he once was. Because what concord hath Christ with Belial? That's what this verse is saying. It's an important part of your, your walk is to, to dump the sin. D.L. Moody he made a simple but really important comment. He said, if I walk with the world, I cannot walk with God. And that's just true. It's, it's one way or the other. If I walk with the world, I cannot walk with God. Um, now, some of you might say, okay, it's all right. I walk with God. I guess we need to do it, sort of. Why should you want to walk with God? What's the big deal? Um, well, um, it, this came very early in the Bible. It's Deuteronomy chapter five, where um, the Lord says, here's what you get when you walk with me. Um, And he says in Deuteronomy 5.30, "'You shall walk in all the ways "'which the Lord your God hath commanded you, "'that you may live, and that it might be well with you, "'and that you may prolong your days "'in the land which you shall possess.'" Does that sound like some good stuff? Like the good repercussions of walking with the Lord. First of all, that you may live. That's, That's speaking, I believe, of eternal life. But not only eternal life, but abundant life here and now. That, that it might be well with you. The Lord Jesus came and says, I've come, not that you just you know, have eternal life, that too, but life and life more abundantly. That's what the Lord wants. And then prolonging the days in the land which you shall possess. That's, that means prosperity is what's talking about. The Lord says, man, if you walk with me, long life, eternal life, abundant life. Man, that's a good, that's a good thing. So here in this little verse, we realize the first thing that a Christian needs if they wanna have a walk with the Lord, you need to be set apart. You've got to be careful to make sure and, and, and live that sanctified Christian life. And that brings us to point number two, not only a sanctified walk, but secondly, you need a submitted walk. That is where you submit to God. Um, this is important, um, uh, you know, because um, if you don't have a submitted walk, then you are not agreeing with God. Um, let me put it this way. Here is a, a kind of a cause and effect and this idea of submitting to God and walking with God. The cause, there must be agreement, we know from our text, there must be agreement if you are gonna walk together with God. The effect, you will walk with him when you are in agreement. This doesn't mean, listen, that God will come over and agree with you. You and I have to go over to his side and agree with him. God does not change. One of my favorite old Blind Willie Johnson, Delta Blues songs, He's God, God Don't Never Change. Uh, and it's true, God does not change. You're the one who has to change. Um, I love it, like in the Civil War, you know, um, Abraham Lincoln was said, you, you know, we gotta pray that God is on our side. And Abraham Lincoln corrected the young man and said, we shouldn't pray that God is on our side, we should pray that we are on God's side. The, not God on our side, we're on God's side. Big difference. And if you wanna have a walk with God, you gotta agree. Can two walk together unless they be agreed? No, but to agree means you and I have to change and agree with him. And that's where this submission comes in. And Jeremiah chapter seven, verse 23 kind of explains that. But this thing, command I them saying, obey my voice and I will be your God and you shall be my people and walk ye in all the ways that I have commanded you that it may be well with you. That's the key. We need to walk in his ways. And, And where do we have his commandments? Right here in his word. The Bible tells us what we're supposed to do and what we're not supposed to do. So if you want to have a walk with God, you just do what he says and submit yourself to him. Um, it's so important, you know, um, uh, old J. Vernon McGee, I remember uh, when I was a little younger, uh, well, a lot younger, I remember as a teenager, I'd heard this guy on the radio and he's, he's kind of this hick. I'm like, who is this heck ta- teaching the Bible? You know, he's talking like this. And he'd say funny little, you know, things. And I was like, who is this guy? And I kind of just blew him off as a young man. And then one day I was in a bookstore And I was looking at this commentary series. I was like, this is really cool. It was called Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. And I I got a used set of his volumes of commentaries and I thought, man, Dr. McGee is a brilliant scholar. And I'm like, who is this guy? And then, you know, I realized it's the same dude I was listening to when I was young. The guy, the hick guy on the radio. If you read him, he sounds like a scholar. If you listen, he's the guy that said, you know, when the women in the seventies were saying, should women wear makeup? And he said, listen. If the barn needs painting, paint, paint it. <laughs> uh, that's, you gotta love old Jay Vernon. Uh, well, anyways, um, I was reading Dr. Jay Vernon McGee on this walking with the Lord and, and, and to, you know agreeing with the Lord. And I loved his comment and I'll just show you what it is. Here's Dr. Jay Vernon McGee. He said, um, God rides triumphantly in his own chariot and if you don't want to get under the wheels of that chariot, you'd better get aboard and ride. After all, God is carrying through his purpose in the world. And man, that's true. God's purpose is going to be carried out in the world, no matter what you or I have to do with it. God's going to do what he's going to do. But it's true. We need to agree with God and get on board with God and his ways. You know, we, we live in a culture, by the way, that sort of... Um, Thinks we can sort of balk against or fight against the authority, um, and uh, I'm amazed at seeing how many people are really bad at receiving correction or or submitting and giving over to someone who's more in you know in authority than them, and and it's no greater uh, scene than in the relationship with God. You know, can I just challenge us as a church? Just plain old submit to God. Um, Don't be stubborn. Don't be stupid. Um, You know, when you're in rebellion, uh, you're making yourself look bad. Um, Do you remember when you were a junior higher? Sorry if you're a junior higher in here today or middle schooler. Um, You can stop listening just for a second. But remember what a nerd you were in junior high? (laughs) And you thought you had it dialed, man. I remember as a junior high, thinking, oh, my parents, they don't know what they're talking about. Like you're going through this little phase. My parents were like untouchable and amazing. And then right after sixth grade, it was like, my parents don't know anything. And and you know, then 10, 20 years later, you look at pictures of yourself from junior high and like, what was I thinking? I was a weirdo. Um, and that's what happens. But I, I wonder if someday we're all gonna stand before the Lord and think, man, we were just a bunch of weirdos being stubborn, fighting against God who knows all things. He created all things. He knows how you work. And yet we, we, we were stubborn and we just kinda kept dragging our heels uh, uh, instead of just jumping on board. And that's this idea of having a walk with God. It means submission, having a submitted heart toward the Lord. So having a walk with God, first of all, you need to be sanctified, set apart, dump the sinful stuff because sin separates you from God. The second thing you need to remember is to submit to God and submit to his word and just do what the Lord asks you to do and be simply submitted. That's important. But then then the next part of this that the Bible tells us is to have a spiritual walk. It's not just a, a, you know, you might call it in the Bible language carnal or fleshly. That is you and I trying to walk with God in our own flesh, in our own strength is the, the way the Bible puts that. But you need to have a spiritual walk. You, you and I cannot really walk with God in our flesh. We can't hang with the Lord when it comes to walking with God, unless you have the spirit. And that's why in Galatians, in talking about this, we come up with this phrase, the walking in the spirit. It says, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, by the way, do you see, this is kind of a cart before the horse thing. If you're walking in the spirit, then you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. But if you're fulfilling the lust of the flesh, you won't be walking with the Lord because we learned that in point one, being sanctified. So which one is it? Which one comes first? Do you walk in the spirit so that you don't fulfill the lust or do you walk in the spirit um, and make sure, get rid of all the sin and then you can walk in the spirit, which one? And the answer is yes. Um, What I love about this question Some of you might be right now thinking, man, Brett, this is starting to make my head hurt, all this stuff I gotta do if I'm gonna walk with the Lord. But it does sound a little complex, but it's super, super easy, and I'll tell you why, because God helps you with this. And, And it's almost laughable to even say helps, because he does it all, really. Let's just say you're full of sin, and you don't have a walk with the Lord. What do you gotta do? Well, I gotta go home and clean up my act, I gotta go. Well, wait, that's kinda true, but but did you know you can get up from this chair, from this service on this Sunday morning and walk out of here sanctified without even going home and dumping your stuff and getting rid of the junk? And how do you do that? It's confession. The Bible says, 1 John 1, verse nine, if you confess your sins, he, not you, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You are just one sincere confession away which you could do right now in your heart, right before the Lord, forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for those things I've been doing and the attitude that I've been carrying and, and all those things you just speak it out, just you and the Lord, just quietly in your heart right now. And guess what? The Lord says, I'll, I'll not only forgive you, but I'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He does all the work. And where did he do the work? You know, on the cross. Jesus already died on the cross for the sins of the whole world. And the book of Hebrews tells us Jesus died once for all sin. He doesn't have any more to do. He did the work already. It's completed. He, he cried out on the cross. It is finished. And so the finished work of salvation and washing and cleansing, that's why for you to get point number one, to be sanctified, set apart, oh, the Lord made it so easy for you. Sanctified. Submission, just saying, Lord, I just wanna submit. When, when I read it in your word, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. I'm just gonna just do what your word says. I'm not gonna be stubborn and kick against your, your word That's not that hard to, you know, you just look at it, see what it says, do it. And then the the third thing here, having a spiritual walk, this is even better because walking in the spirit means that you're being powered by the spirit. The spirit is power. Um, And this is so important, you know, when you talk about this walking in the spirit, um, the church, when they waited upon the spirit, we read about this last week, um, about, you know, the, the dunamis, that's the power, the word dunamis is the Greek word, where we get our word dynamite. And the church waited on the Holy Spirit that the spirit, the dunamis might come upon the, uh, the, the church and give them power. So you might say, but Brett, I don't know if I have the willpower or the strength to really walk with the Lord and dump my sinful things. So that's where you have to walk in the spirit so that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So here's what you do. You pray that sincere confession of your sins, but in the same sentence, you can say, and also Lord, will you fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit? What do you mean, bread? We just gotta ask for the filling, yep. You know, Jesus talked about this when he said, you fathers, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Father in heaven give good gifts to those that ask? Good gifts, that's what one scripture says. Jesus said in the Gospel of Luke, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those that ask? That's pretty cool. All you gotta do is ask and the Holy Spirit will come in you and upon you. Um, and that's how you can walk by the spirit and not by your own flesh. First John chapter one, verse seven, in this walk that we have with the Lord, it says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. This is, this is sort of matching what Amos is saying. Can two walk together unless they be agreed? Here, first John, You know, John says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another, but it says, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I just love that every time we talk about the walk, when you read about it, did you notice all these scriptures I'm giving you? There's walk, but there's also a connection to the forgiveness of sin and cleansing of sin and washing. Um, That's where the walk is is really found, is right there in that, just that forgiveness and in the light of Christ under the cross, that's where the walk is found. This light, I don't know about you guys, but um, these days we're living right now, uh, 2022, I just am amazed at the darkness that we're seeing out there. But I'm so thankful that we as Christians get to be the bearers of the light, um, that illuminate your path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and and a light unto my path. I love that we're children of the light and all we have to do is walk in the light as he is in the light and then we'll have fellowship one with another. Man, I love that. Um, you know, this idea of being walking in the spirit, led by the spirit, having this kind of thing, what kind of, what kind of help is that? Well, when you walk in the spirit, it's not just about walking, but it's also about knowing where to go. Um, I love, you know, uh, it's, it's interesting because, you know, this idea of having this walk, um, Henry Ford actually uh, made a statement about this. He, um, he said, you know, uh, he who walks with God always reaches his destination. Um, he knows something about transportation, Henry Ford. <laughs> but he made that comment about God. He who walks with God always reaches his destination. And that's the thing. I love the, just the direction we get. Check this out. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. The Lord says to his people, and thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. And when you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left. Man, the person that's walking with God and being, and walking in the spirit We'll have direction. Brother, are you suggesting that the Lord's gonna whisper in your ear audibly a voice? Well, he can do that if he wants to. I think there's people that actually have heard audible voices from the Lord. Um, But I also, in my experience, that's not really the way it happens. It's it's more of a sense of direction that the Lord gives you. Um, It's almost like as you're trying to decide what to do and you're praying and seeking the Lord, if you're walking with the Lord, he's gonna just give you a sense, this is the way. Go this way, Um, walk ye in it. This is the way, walk ye in it. And you'll just know when to turn right and when to turn left. When to go to this college or when to go to that college. When to quit your job, when to stay on. You know, um, the Lord just gives you sort of that direction and it has to do with sort of a peace in your heart and a settling. And you just kind of go, even though this is not a very peaceful situation, I have a real peace about moving this direction. That's the way the Lord works it out for me. And it's never, never steered me wrong. So I love this. You know, we've got to have, number one, a sanctified walk. Number two, a submitted walk. Number three, a spiritual walk. But the final one, and again, this is important. I end with this one because some of you might be like, oh, this is so hard to do. No, confess your sins, ask for the Spirit to empower you, and and walk with God. It's just a simple thing. And that's what I want to end with, just a simple walk. It's got to be a simple walk. You can't overcomplicate it. I think sometimes Christians, we're good. In fact, humanity is good at overcomplicating everything. And often, in overcomplicating, we ruin what we're trying to do to begin with. Some of you, with your New Year's resolution of losing weight this year, I gave that up years ago. <laughs> um, but some of you, you what would, would you do? Well, as January 1, 2022 was approaching, man, you went down to the store and you got those $200 walking shoes. And you outfitted your garage with the top of the you know line. You got your uh, torturing devices, the you know, uh, the bike with the TV, and and uh, the, you know, and you're just you're ready to roll. You got you got and, and you you got your walking regimen, and you got your walking journal, and, and man, you're just you oh, you gotta get the Fitbit. No, nope, no, nope. Apple Watch is better. Keep track of your steps and, and all this, and you just get all geared up. Have you ever done that, and then only to never work out ever, not even once? Nobody's gonna mis- admit that, but um, it's funny. We can we can overcomplicate things. Uh, how about just get up out of bed and go for a walk? Just keep it simple. Um, it's so funny, we can, we can sort of spend so much time getting ready to do what we wanna do, but sometimes, you know, somebody should come up with a slogan, something like, just do it, or something like that, because um, uh, uh, it's funny that they're the ones saying that. Just do it after you spend $200 on the shoes. Um, <laughs> um, but you know we can do the same thing with our walk with the Lord. Oh, if I can, I need to walk with the Lord, so I'm going to go to church every Sunday and every Wednesday and every prophecy update and every Sunday night, and and I'm going to read my Bible every day and every morning. And and you kind of put these pressures on yourself, but it's just a simple walk, you know. And 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 a walk sometimes is just putting one foot in front of the other. Um, and we gotta we gotta kind of keep it simple, I think. And and watch out for this over. It's almost like the um, uh, you know you can almost Freeze uh, anything good that the Lord wants to do um, when you start, you know, over-planning and over-structuring uh, your walk. Colossians chapter two, I love this. It says this, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in him. How do you keep your walk going? The same way you were saved. And how were you saved? Was it you preparing and planning and structuring your life and doing, 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 no. Remember, when you got saved, it was done, done, done. Jesus did the work on the cross. He already won the victory. All you had to do is accept it. In the same way, this this passage, Paul writes to the church at Colossae and says, as you therefore received Christ Jesus, simplicity, easy, he did all the work, so walk ye in him. Walk in that simplicity is the idea. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught abounding there with thanksgiving. And, and now, now he says, beware. He says, watch out for this, beware. Lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. For in him, that is Christ, dwells some of the fullness. No, in him dwells all of the fullness of the God, Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. You are complete in him. This beware there, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. Oh, how many books have been written about your walk and how you're supposed to do this and that, and 12 steps to this or that, or 20 steps or, you know, I just believe it's a one-step program, the whole thing. Just a one-step program and it's Jesus. Jesus is the answer that we need. Don't let people spoil your walk. It says, as you received Christ, so walk ye in him. The same simplicity that you were saved is the same simplicity. And, and I, I worry that we, we've become a culture that needs to have the next latest book written about how to overcome depression or how to, how to overcome this or that or what's, how to have victory over this and that. No, I think that we gotta just walk away from that vain deceit and philosophy and traditions of men and rudiments of the world, but follow Christ for in him, Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I love that, man, what, a, what an amazing thing. I love the simplicity of our faith. You know, it, it's as deep as you wanna go theologically, but when it gets down to just being a saved Christian, walking with Jesus, I think it's way simpler than people make it. But the problem is instead of getting bogged down in the vain deceit and the philosophies and all the 12 steps and all that, what if we just said, Lord, I'm just gonna get up every morning and walk with you. Do what your word says. Let the Lord search my heart about my own sins so that I be sanctified, set apart. And if, if I have sin, confess it, repent and turn from it and just, just rely on the Holy Spirit to be in you, to empower you, to have that daily walk with Jesus that is pleasing to him. And man, what a, what a way to go. Karl Barth was an interesting guy, if you study him. He was, um, died in the early '60s. But uh, Karl Barth was a, a, a 20th-century, um, maybe arguably, um, you know, the, one of the great Protestant theologians of the 20th century. Um, there in Germany, and he was one of the few guys that didn't get sort of sucked into the whole Nazi, um, you know, paranoia and weirdness. Um, but he, he wrote volumes and volumes of information on theology. He had huge, massive works of, of theology. Um, in the end of his days, uh, toward the end of his life, some American scholars came over to, to sort of hang out with him and interview him about all of his brainiac theology and stuff. Um, but all these American guys asked him and said, you know, if you had to summarize all the work of your life and summarize like, what are some of the greatest things you've come to understand when it comes to theology? They were all kind of with bated breath gonna hear Karl Barth, uh, you know, kind of comment on this, but the learned man charmed them by saying this. He said, here it is, and they all leaned in. He said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's what he said. And you know, behind him is all his volumes of theology that he'd done and spent his whole life. But he said, this is it. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You know, in the book of Amos, Amos is gonna try to move from shepherding flocks and herds to trying to shepherd the children of Israel back to simplicity, back to the Lord, dump their sins and get back right with Jehovah, the God of the Jews, of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And uh, we're gonna see that as we study this book. But uh, this, this one little verse today, I, I hope it just sparks something in your heart to say, Lord, how's my walk? Have I, have I kept my walk, Am I, have, has it been sanctified? Have I been submitted? Am I, you know, spirit, is it a spiritual walk where I'm filled with the spirit? And, and have I overcomplicated things with my walk? And, and I need to keep it simple. Just ask yourself these questions. And like I said, right now, before we even pack it up and walk out of these, these doors, you can make things right. Say, okay, my walk starts here and right now. And so I'd like you just to kind of think through that personally. And, and then, then after we're done, we'll, um, we'll, we'll just go away with a new walk, fresh walk, starting today. May the Lord give us ears to hear what the Spirit says to the church. Lord, I thank you so much. For so great a salvation, Lord, you've done all the work for us to be saved, dying on the cross. Anyone who confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart, your son Jesus, is able to be saved by your grace through faith. Lord, what a beautiful and simple salvation. But I pray, Lord, that your church, that you'd find us, those walking with you in that same simplicity. Lord, I pray that instead of making our faith look difficult and hard, I pray that the world might look at us and see that simplicity and that, that peace and that joy that comes from a, just a right walk with you, Lord. And so we pray that your church would have ears to hear what your spirit says. Um, Lord, bless these, your people, um, not only those here in this room, but also those online watching, and anyone, Lord, who has yet to receive you personally, to accept you as, as Savior and Lord. Lord, I pray that they would do that first thing and repent of their sins and confess their faith, that that they believe that you died on the cross and that you rose from the grave, accepting that work that you've done and thereby being saved, being a Christian. Lord, apart from that, a walk is is not even possible. So I pray for the unsaved, that you just tap them on the shoulder, that they'd understand their need and be saved. So we thank you, Lord, for your word. Let your word just rule our hearts and our minds, Lord, on this Sunday morning. And this we ask in Jesus' name, amen.